All right, everyone. Welcome to the special guest segment. We have MBFC discussion uh, today. He is our second guest ever on this podcast. So we're starting to get out there a little bit. That's for sure. I'm very pleased to have you. Um, welcome. Yeah, uh, thanks for having me. It's, uh, you know, this is actually technically the first ever podcast I've gone on, but I've done like practice podcasts and stuff like that. So yeah, it's uh, it's great to be here, man. Awesome. Um, so, I mean, today it's really gearing up for the season. We are a week away. Um, I feel like teams are really starting we're really starting to get a feel of how they're going to look uh, for this year. And that's why we've done our power rankings. And I think we can just jump right into it. Um, we both have San Antonio. Yeah. On the top. It's, it's, I mean, I don't think it get, gets much clearer than that. I mean, yeah, is absolutely. there anything you'd like to say about San Antonio on top? I mean, San Antonio, uh, you know, defending champs, of course. Um when you return one of the best, almost all the best starting starting lineup that you had last year, you're going to be a clear cut favorite from from the beginning. Um, and while I may have lost some key uh, some key players, some key pieces, they then added guys like Juan Carlos Azucar. Yeah, and it's like they they they're just the favorite. It's as simple as that. They are going to be good. That's for sure. I think the big loss there that they didn't bring back is Adeneron. I think his goals um, when he was, I think he was loaned in, was it the middle of last year? Yeah. From Seattle. Yeah. And he scored like, I think eight or nine goals. I mean, and he's like 22. He is good. So. Of course, of course they announced in the last, like uh, I think week or two that Patino wouldn't be returning. Yeah, that's that's true. That's also another big loss. But overall, uh, their defense is back. And, you know, they just sit in that deep block and defend defend like hell. So Yeah. So, San Antonio on top, I don't think it gets much easier than that. And I don't think number two gets much easier either. Yeah. Um, it's the team they beat in the final last year. Uh, I think Louisville arguably have gotten better. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, when, you, when you add a guy, when you add a player of Dylan Maris's caliber, um, that immediately makes you a, a contender. Um, but Louisville was already a contender. Yeah. So they're always a contender. The yeah. You add him into the fold and it is, man, that is just a scary, scary team. And we have them on March 18th. So that's going to be a good match. That'll, that will be your second game. That is a rough, <laughs> rough start to the year. That is for sure. At least it's at home. At least it's at home. I must that's say. true. That's true. Um, I also like the addition of Thelusin. I don't know much about his game, but it feels like whatever Louisville do, they'll hit. Yeah. There's not much failure to come from there. So yeah. and Louisville have, consensus yeah. too. Yeah, we of course know what Wilson Harris can do and Cameron Lancaster, um, Sean Tosh, of course, but yeah. you know, those are those guys are staples of the league. They've been around for a while and you know, we, we just know what they're capable of. Absolutely. Um, so we'll switch up. I think the first two were pretty obvious. Let's mm-hmm. go to the bottom now and work our way up. So, yeah. because this is where we have our discrepancies and our power rankings, and I'm interested to hear what we have to say. Um, you have New Mexico at number 10. 
Yes. And then I have FC Tulsa at number 10. Mm-hmm. So if you want to go into your thoughts on New Mexico this year, and then I can do Tulsa, I can do that. Um, You know, New Mexico, they they definitely had an interesting window, I think. Um, I think they kind of let go of maybe some key pieces. Uh, I think Preston was was a key piece that they let go. And then, of course, losing uh, Devin Sandoval, um, yeah. obviously retired, um, all, you know, uh, a legend at the club. Um, but then they they got Santi Moar, of course. Yeah. Um, and so those additions uh, sort of canceled things out. And I think they are a lock for a postseason. But I just don't know if they've done enough to really, for me to really put them higher um above anyone else really yeah that's fair they also bring back nico brett i believe right yeah Yeah, nico brett's back i just want to make sure um and then they also picked up the one scottish forward from phoenix his name is escaping me yeah i I forget his name but he did not do well with phoenix which is fair because phoenix were unbelievably bad last year Mm -hmm. um but that attack looks special, um, for sure. But I've gone, I put New Mexico higher, but I've gone for Tulsa in 10th. And I've been unmistakably high on them all offseason, mainly because I'm very high on Moses Dyer as a pure forward. I've said it so many times. Um, I'm high on Justin Malu um, because I've seen him, like a right back coming in is not going to make your team significantly better that's for sure but i like his game i like his ability to push forward and i think he's also a great defensive right back and i think tulsa last year just got beat because that's usually what it comes down to i feel like for the mid-table teams it's just like because every team can score in this league it's really not that much of an issue other than maybe detroit this year are gonna have a problem yeah detroit detroit have no player who has scored more than like five goals yeah, they haven't unjacked this offseason. So. Um, but I think Tulsa got beat too much defensively last year, and that's where they've improved a bit more, even though they did just lose Adrian Dispay to Indy, which is not great for that. But And, and yeah, you know, for me, that's obviously my biggest concern for them um, is that back line. It's just you lose yeah. a guy like Dispay who's, who's been with the team, who was with the team last year. Um, that's a – that's a really big hole to fill. Yeah. Um, so it should be interesting how they decide to go about uh, filling that. Yeah, for sure. And I do like that Tulsa. I do like the addition of Michael Nelson in goal. Um, yeah. And I do rate Austin Wormel as one of the higher end goalkeepers in the league for sure. I'd rated Sean Lewis when he was at Tulsa and at Indy, and then he goes to League One. So what do I know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, which I must say. If I mean, not that we're going to talk about League One, but what one Knox has done has been uh, has been pretty pretty crazy there. They're going to be good. They could come in and do a one and done type deal in oh, yeah. League One. That's for sure. So, um, we'll move on to our number nines. I know Monterey Bay was definitely going to come in to your power ranking at some <laughs> point, and there's a there's a reason to be high on Monterey Bay. So, if you'd like to go into Monterey Bay. Go for it. The floor is yours. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, obviously last season was uh 
it had it had a certain feel like to it like a certain magic almost um towards towards the end almost but then we just kind of we let it slip but what what a lot of the guys are saying now is we have unfinished business uh that was that was a lot of what the co quotes were so they really want to um after establishing want to take that step forward and i think getting guys like alex lara alex dixon into the fold um are, are really important and lara really adds a dimension that we haven't had um and that was depth uh last year we just had no depth on the back line and when hugh or kai was out it was or or anthony for that matter mm -hmm. uh it was really tough um because we we look at it we we almost gave up one and a half more goals if either hugh kai or anthony was out of the lineup so we we gave up 0.9 goals when all of them were on the back line together but we gave up 2.4 goals on average per game when not both all of them were not in the lineup together so wow. um adding the adding lara is good and then adding dixon was is was really good too his pace i really like his pace um and then he just adds kind of like lara he adds a different dimension to our attack that we haven't really had um so overall um i was i was pretty happy with the with the offseason and what we did of course re-signing players to two-year contracts is awesome um because it just doesn't really happen in the usl yeah. um but the sign of stability is there um which is which is what i like that is good i would almost not to compare you to another california team because i know it may not be great but i would almost compare the run that you almost had to oakland's first year in the Absolutely. league when they were i mean you weren't as bad as oakland were to no, yeah. so oakland were pretty unbelievably bad when they first came to the league but they somehow found a way to um punch their way into the playoffs you were close but i i think it's almost a lock to say they're going to be there this year yeah and you know that was that was a that was the talk that we had amongst fans and supporters groups is that hey you know Oakland started off like this last year, you know, who's to say, why not us? You know, who's yeah. to say we, we can't go on a run and, and potentially sneak in. Um, and so, yeah, there you go. Absolutely. Yeah. And you also had some players making some cases for like, like instant cult legends almost last year with their performances. <laughs> it was a special time to be watching Monterey Bay. So yeah. Um, for my number nine, I put the Indy 11. I'm still low on them purely because I don't know what this team can do. Um, and they have a pretty jarring lack of depth, um, specifically at the back. They did improve upon that with Diz Pay, but I still believe that their roster is at like 20 to 21 listed players, which is not great like you're not going to get the 30 mark in this league unless you have like an incredible payroll which no team really does but i think yeah. indy specifically could just struggle because of like the talent is there i just think that like they're almost going the phoenix route of like what are the best players we can get disregarding the tactics that we have yeah so i'm nervous um, yeah and you know adding guys like Cam Lindley and Sebastian Guanzotti, um, yeah. great additions um, to the attack. 
Um, but also you need to be able to defend, obviously. Yeah. And as you said, have they have they done enough? Um, I think they'll probably maybe make a couple more signings for the back line for depth purposes. Yeah. Um, we hope they do. Um, <laughs> but that attack alone, um, is is very good, and that's why I have them at number six. I think. Yeah. Um. They will. Pr- I feel like they'll probably go the route of making college signings almost because I'm sure that the payroll they have is already remarkable. Like it can't be. It's not cheap. Big. The amount of <laughs> like they signed like Cam Lindley had a fantastic year last year, his best probably year as a pro, and he's definitely going to be coming in on a bumper deal. Especially, yeah, especially coming in from the switchbacks with an indie team who has shown that they have an ability to spend when they want to. Um, so, I mean, everybody that they signed is not going to be cheap. They signed Jack Blake after he signed a contract extension with the loyal. Mm-hmm. So that's not cheap either. Um, I'm just scared that that's going to come and bite them and their depth. If they do get there is also not going to be good enough. Right. And so. I, you know, I think they'll definitely make the playoffs. So yeah. Um, off, of, like- off of pure force alone, you would hope that they can make the playoffs. <laughs> so yeah. Or else they're spending money on nothing. Mm-hmm. So yeah. uh, we can move on to our number eights. Um, I, you can go first. You have an interesting number eight. I'll have to say. Yeah, um, I think I think Memphis uh, is is a very interesting case. Um, while they did lose Ben Pierman, um, and of course Dodson and and all those guys, um, I think Philip Goodrum immediately just right out of the gate just makes you better simple as that um yes, and then, does. And then, <laughs> because you know scoring 22 goals is no joke um and then of course getting in the they still have Aaron Malloy and and all those all those guys in the midfield um but losing Trey Muse was a was a was a big a bit a big loss for sure um but scoring goals in this league is a really key aspect. And if, if you can defend just a little bit on top of that, then you should be good. And I still think Memphis, despite losing a guy like Dodson, can still defend and um, score goals. Yeah, and they did sign um, a like fullback counterpart, not on the side of Derek Dodson. They did sign Akeem Ward. Who is a serviceable player? He is very good. He, so yeah, he's good. He probably he actually so last time our last match last year against Ray Grand Valley, he mm-hmm. was the man of the match. He played very, very well against us. So he tore us to shreds. Um so I did not I feel as though Memphis have just lost too much. And I feel like that coaching change not I feel like there are not many times in the league where you can see a coaching change in the amount of turnover that Memphis have had and see a playoff team. I'm more than willing to be proven wrong because I like Memphis as a team. Mm-hmm. Um, I was so happy to see them win their first playoff game last year. But I think I think it's just too much to ask. But I do like Philip Goodrum. He is so yeah. good. He could be going for 25 this year. Easy. Aside from like Sam Gleedle, he's one of my most favorite players in the league. Yeah, so. he's special. Um, number eight, I've gone for Phoenix. We both have Phoenix on our lists. Um, mm-hmm. I am just still low on Phoenix because 
I don't know if Juan Guerra is the pure, like, like Juan Guerra should get the best out of this team for sure. Um, it's another off season of Phoenix doing Phoenix things, although it feels a bit more calculated. They did get the best that they could probably the best, one of the best teams on pure, like on transfer market. It's the most valuable team in the league on paper. Yeah. So if you're going on paper, it's going to be the, they're going to be the best team in the league, but on the field, I don't think that's even close. Cause I don't think Juan Guerra is the pure, like power six goals a game kind of manager that Rick Chance was. Uh, it's going to be dialed back, especially with what we saw in Oakland, like Oakland, I'm going to be completely honest, played pretty boring under Juan Guerra. It was, I mean, it wasn't exciting. It wasn't exciting, but they got results with of course. minimal, uh, like not minimal, not minimal talent, but like just not much resources. So mm-hmm. I, he's going to do a job here. He's going to get them into the playoffs. It's just not the free flowing, like, Front to back, kind of what we saw under Chance. So, yeah, I won't go too much into it because you're going to talk on them as well. Yeah, and you know, they, they're, they're Phoenix is still a great team. Um, and I just, I see when we're talking about trying to make a run at at the Cup, I just don't know if they have enough. Um, and they'll definitely make the playoffs. I think they'll get a home playoff game for sure. Yeah. Uh, but I just don't know how far they can go based on their, uh, based on the roster they have. Um, and you can, you can have a great roster on paper, but put the team on the field. Uh, some players may not gel correctly. Um, and then you have to make adjustments and adjustment sometimes equals instability. Um, so yep. there we go. Um, but yeah, I, I'm excited for Phoenix, but I, like you said, don't know how it is going to go. We'll move on to our number sevens. Um, Two teams that we've already talked about. If we go into them a little bit deeper, you've got at number seven. Phoenix. Yep, you got Phoenix. Just went on that about a little bit. Um, I've got New Mexico United. I'm just a little bit higher. I You learn in this league um, a bit early on. I'm probably going to, not going to lie, doubt or... Regret doubting RGV and Wilmer Cabrera. Of course. Because apparently Wilmer is just the magic man when it comes to getting maximum points in the last five games of the season. He'll do it. He could play Phoenix five times and he'll win every game 3-0. So he can have a roster of fifth graders and he'll still win and get into (laughs) the playoffs. He'll do it. But um, I've doubted New Mexico for too long. Um, and even though they may not look the best this year, I think the additions up top, um, I think seventh in my power rankings and a top spot in the West is uh, up for grabs for them until they finish dead last in the West. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Uh, but hey, uh, I think New Mexico, they're still going to they're still going to uh, score goals. Um, yeah. And they're they're going to try and if they can win a game at the lab for once, um, <laughs> and, and, um, you know, they'll, they'll definitely get higher in the standings. Yeah. Uh, but you know, that remains to be seen. Yeah. It's pretty remarkable how bad some teams are at winning at home. Like last year, like 
when granted the switchbacks had like there was one game last year where the switchbacks had one player on the bench. They had a 12 man game day roster. Yep. I'm I think they drew that game or won. I don't think they lost it. But like there were times last year where like switchbacks looked unstoppable and then they lose like three nil at home to the loyal or like four right. nil at home to like New Mexico or something. And you're like, what am I watching? Yeah. So and that I, was the thing for switchbacks last year, inconsistency yeah. sometimes and just not not being able to piece together uh great runs of and good good runs of form of play. Mm-hmm. Um of course when when they played us when they came to Cardinale, um they had hadn't played in three weeks. So I mean obviously that factors into it, but when you have guys like Galena and Amo and uh and Barry you should still be expected to be an expansion side team. Absolutely. Um, and then they lose all of them and don't replace them serviceably. So I think it's fair to say the switchbacks will probably be not great this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so we can move on because we've talked about our number sevens um, a little bit beforehand. Let's move on to our number sixes. You've got Indy, correct? Yeah. So yes, if you'd like to go on on Indy a little bit and then I can talk about it. I am the only one who've put Miami in our power rankings. So if you'd like to go into Indy first, go for it. Yeah. Um, Indy, uh, of course, when you add, when you add players of the caliber of Cam Lindley and Sebastian Guanzotti, uh, that immediately skyrockets you um, to, to at least I think top 10. Uh, But as we kind of mentioned, the, the defensive back line is still just a little thin, uh, which is, which is what's really preventing me from putting in them in the top five. Um, but overall, last year obviously didn't go the way they wanted it to go. Um, they had just this horrid stretch where they, I, I think they lost like seven in a row or something like mm-hmm. that. Um, and then and then they went on this great run where they looked like the best team in the league. And then they come to our stadium at Carnale and we blow them out of the water by five. <laughs> by five. So the inconsistency was so striking um, and just like, yeah, it wasn't good, but I think they really improved and patched up a lot of the holes that they needed to patch up, especially in the midfield. Um, Losing, losing Hackshaw, I think was a, was a pretty, pretty big loss. Yeah. Um, I think overall they had a very, a very good window, very decent window, probably the best, one of the best windows in the league. Yeah, I would, they did have a great window. They had a fantastic window. They, I think they strengthened in every place they needed to strengthen. Um, the only team I'd argue has a better window is who we're going to talk about later. So we'll we'll save that. We'll save that. I'll save that for when we get to them. Um, it's not Miami, though. Miami did have a good window, but I don't think it's better than Indy. But I'm still very high. I think mainly I'm looking forward to Florian Vallow, I think, playing a more central role here. I think he's going to shine. Um, they did make a good bit of signings. My only worry with Miami is that they lost Connor Sparrow. Yeah. I and Connor Sparrow was like top top three goalkeepers last year. He was yeah. fantastic. Absolutely. And of course, whenever you lose a goalkeeper of his caliber, it's like that's that's a massive hole to fill. Um and then they they got I forget I forget his name, but loan from Charlotte FC. Uh, oh yes, they brought in Adrian's and Dejas. Adrian's and Dejas, exactly. Um, so we'll see how we'll see how that goes. Um, he could be more than serviceable for sure. Yeah, uh, 
but we'll just have to see how that goes. And I think the main thing with Connor Sparrow is that he came in, I think he came in 2020, I want to say. 2020, 2021, and he was not that great. Um, right. But he was a bit of a project with Miami, and I think they liked that, and they kind of built him and built a trust with Connor Sparrow, and now he's not there, and they've got a new presence in goal, um, and I think that might help uh, make them suffer a little bit, but um, I'm high on Miami. I think, mm-hmm. like, I was low on Miami last year, and they went and got six. Like, I think, for the most part, they played mediocre most of last year like we saw them at their like at like 70 percent, like every game and they speaking in their low you know yeah and they still managed to get into six mm-hmm. so i think that speaks a lot onto how uh good miami are even when they're playing like shit so yeah <laughs> um we'll move on to number five and this is actually our third and last agreement in the power rankings we both have the san diego loyal here um if you'd like to go first again um san diego i uh, you just I, I think you know what you're getting with that team um you're you're getting quality you're getting um you're getting quality and quantity i think yeah um and when you have a guy like landon donovan uh i just I don't see how you could be a bad team, whether he is on the pitch or off the pitch. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what he what he's done with that team and the players he's brought in has been really good. Um, and they had they had a they had a decent window, I think. But when you retain that much, um, it, you're you're still going to be a good team. And of course, losing a guy like Among is tough. But also, Among was, and of course, we'll talk about it later. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was injured for for quite quite a he would always get injured basically is what i is what a lot of loyal fans would say and i didn't really like that he wouldn't be able to hold up um sometimes he he wouldn't make his runs properly too but overall san diego is still a a a solid team and adding a guy like corona is yeah that's a scary aspect i mean corona comes in and is probably on merit already the best holding midfielder in the league so, I mean, to get a player of that quality, it also helps that he's native to the San Diego area and the California area. So to have that pull is already special. I mean, San Diego are going to get those kind of players all the time. They did also lose Kyle Vassell. That was a good amount of goals last year. Yeah. Um, but I honestly am very excited to see how Conway does this year. I think he's more than ready to step into more of a goal-scoring role. He did get... um a good amount of goals last year i mean i think loyal fans wouldn't have been too upset with him last year i mean he's still young he's still got room to grow but i think this year he takes more of a central role as more of a goal scorer because they're going to need it um with vassell and among gone but mm-hmm. i i think it's foolish even after lana donovan takes a role in the front office and nate miller comes in to be low on the loyal because i don't think yeah. since they've come into the league they've missed the playoffs so, yeah, um, not not from my account at least. It's gonna be it's gonna be a maybe not special year, but I think the loyal I think the loyal suffer a bit from Phoenix um, suffering from success. Once they get into the playoffs, they don't know what to do. Yeah, so yeah. we'll see how it goes. Maybe yeah. they get farther than the first and second round. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Doubt it. Um, 
we can move on to our number fours. Um, mm-hmm. You've got the Tampa Bay Rowdies, and I've yeah. got the Sacramento Republic, and our three and fours are actually interchangeable. So yeah, it, like I mean, I did flip flop on this, and I'm like, well, they're two two great sides, obviously. Um, Neil Collins mm-hmm. and uh, in in Tampa Bay, of course. A lot of our fan base now hates Tampa Bay yeah. for what happened in the final game, but I actually, unfortunately, I wasn't there at that game. I was I was away in Arizona at the time. I watched. I was watching on ESPN Plus, and I just I had no idea what was happening in that game. But anyways, we can't allow uh, we can't allow a game like that to impact our 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 decisions when we're ranking per se. Yeah, um, because that's that's I I don't find that fair. Um, but I think Tampa Bay is still just such a quality team. They're they're still so good. And adding a guy like Connor Sparrow just makes them that much better. Um, yeah. Phil Breno, although serviceable and made some massive saves last season, um, I think he had he made like six alone in the first half against us <laughs> when we played Tampa Bay. Um, I think adding a guy like Connor Sparrow, who is a top tier goalkeeper in the USL, is really really big and retaining all those other guys except maybe Gwenzotti uh is good yeah um for me Sacramento have really evolved under Briggs and I think the key piece that I like about Sacramento that takes them up and out from last year is the signing of Wheat from the Riverhounds I like yeah. that defense a lot now they've really come into I think more of a sound one of the more sound defensive teams in the league. We see a lot of like Louisville, for what it's worth, concede goals because they play a three at the back. I mean, you're going to score a lot, but you're going to concede a lot there. Um, but I think Sacramento are, for the most part, up there with San Antonio in terms of defense. Um, and then we can just jump into our number threes because they're interchangeable. Um, because like I don't have much to add um, on top of Tampa Bay for you, other than like I talked about Connor Sparrow I love their signing of Connor Sparrow and goal um but they bring in JJ Williams and Cal Jennings up top and Ariel Martinez in the midfield yeah Ariel Martinez in the midfield who's aging yes but still a great creative player um and then they bring in a foreign striker I can't his name is escaping me but um they bring in a experienced foreign striker as backup as likely backup to JJ Williams and Cal Jennings if they do play a two striker formation that they have been. So it's gonna be like the rise will be good. Which when you're talking about losing Steven Dos Santos bringing in that that striker uh for, for depth reasons is, is big as well. Yeah, absolutely. And then you've got Sacramento at three as well. And I you know we we played them yesterday in a friendly um and we lost four to two. And from my understanding, um, it wasn't our best game defensively. Um, but I obviously players aren't going to be trying as hard and whatnot. They don't want to get injured, whatever. Um, it was also raining, so it was players don't want to injure themselves. But Cicerone just he he's he's gonna be good. Flat. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you, know, you know what you're getting with Russell Cicerone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he is just quality through and through, but that back line is going to be damn good. I tell you, um, yeah, absolutely. They're, they're gonna 
they're going to defend really well and they are going to attack really well too yeah and getting i like shane wheat a player of that caliber is going to be yeah they're, they're going to be so good i think sacramento are what oakland wish they were yes <laughs> definitely I, I mean like sacramento like oakland can defend don't get me wrong oakland can defend and they're going to be even better defensively this year, which is going to be so boring. It's going to be, it's going to suck so much to watch Oakland games. Like, I'm sorry, but it is boring to watch. Um, (laughs) But the problem is this year that they don't have Carlson and they're not going to score any goals. They're just not. Yeah. Simple as that. And that's why I don't think they make the playoffs. I mean, yeah, you're losing 22 overall goals, um, which he may have accounted for almost half their goals. Um, oh, I thought you were going to go for like almost half of his goals were penalties. Oh, well, no, that, that too, almost a lot of them were penalties. Yeah. But you know, it is. They all count. Yeah. They all count. Um, And then we'll talk a little bit on, I've, we're talking about Oakland, not scoring goals. We can go back to Detroit um, before we go for a little break. Um, Detroit, I I'd be high on them if they didn't bring in, like they have Connor Rex and Connor Rex was okay last year, I guess. I mean, like he was their out and out number nine striker, and he scored I think three goals. Yeah. Um, that's not what you want. And then they go into this window looking for you would assume someone who can score more than three goals, and who do they bring in? Skate Simonson who scored two goals last year. Yeah. And, you know, you he he may drop – he may go into that number nine spot, drop into yeah. that number nine spot. But does he have the finishing ability? That just simply remains to be seen. Um, in losing a, people like Opono and Pato, yep. uh, it's just – yeah, I don't, I don't know what they were doing. And they also lose probably one of the best – Wingbacks we've seen uh recently, Declan Wynn. Yeah. That's not great either. So lose all their creativity and they replace none of it. That's what you love to see. So I think it's fair to say that if Oakland and Detroit were to play a game this year, it'd be the worst game in USL history. It would be the worst game in history, that's for sure. All right. (laughs) So that is our power rankings. Let us know if you agree. You probably don't. All of it is subjective. But San Antonio are going to be great again. I think that's what we can all agree on. If you don't think that, you're wrong. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're you're all wrong if you don't think that. <laughs> so we are going to take a quick break, and then we'll be back to talk about more, probably about the California teams. Mm-hmm. All right, we are back. From that quick little break, we talked about our power rankings. Now we're going to get into um, kind of, not like kind of the main part of this episode, but more in-depth on the California teams. Because I think more so than a lot of other teams, it's one of the biggest, like, I don't know, communities because of the uh, just inherent amount of teams that are in California. It's, right. There's a big dynamic, for sure. Yeah, you know, you you look at uh, places around the world uh, in terms of football and soccer, um, whatever whatever people may call it. Um, like in England, it's 
the teams are so close. Uh, they yeah. don't even travel by plane, and you can travel simply by car or or the teams just travel by bus. With California, it is that dynamic. It is the teams are all so close together, and there's so many um, that it has that sort of feel. Um, but then, of course, you have all these other teams that you have to travel to cross country. Um, so that's why when a lot of the teams uh, come to Cardinale or go to Heart Health Park or go to Orange County Soccer Stadium or et cetera, a lot of the fans end up coming and supporting their team or even MLS, uh, Earthquakes and uh, LEFC and LA Galaxy. They will end up going and supporting their teams as well down south or up north or whatever. Yeah, and I think there's also a bigger um, just player pool, uh, like especially young player pool. Like it's a, an attractive area, and we saw it with who Monterey Bay picked up recently. I believe it was from UC Davis in Max Glasser. Yeah. Um, he seems to be special. Yeah, he is. So he's a great player. His pace is awesome. He's really, really fast, um, and – He's 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 been around the block a few times in in terms of big games. I think it was uh, in the Mountain West Conference tournament in the quarterfinals or semifinals or something like that. He assisted on the game on the go ahead goal, wow. I believe. So he's been he's he's been he's been around the block a few times, and he he was a mainstay uh, for that UC Davis soccer team um, up in up in Davis. That's big for sure. Um, so. Laying the foundation now for how California really looks as like a soccer community. Who are you? I think we both have the same answer here because of our power rankings talk. Who are you the lowest on in California right now? Um, I think I'm definitely the lowest on Oakland. Yeah. It's they're just they're they're boring to watch at times or almost all every time all the time yeah um, but just like they don't have i just don't know if they have enough firepower and you know we 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 played them in our third preseason match i'm pretty sure it was our final home preseason match all their fans came down um it was a big presence because it was their only open friendly that they had in the preseason mm. um so a they had a group of like 50 from the function in hooligans and all that stuff. Um, so they have a, they have a great community, but I don't know if what the front office has done really uh, um, speaks to that support per se. Um, but, yeah. yeah. Um, they did bring in the gosh, name is escaping me again. The one Columbian striker as a replacement to Carlson. I don't think that's enough. He is very unproven. I don't think he scored. And granted, going off of past um, goal-scoring records, take that with a grain of salt because any player can have a breakout season at any point. Um, but I don't think – I'm pretty sure, remembering from the episode I did on his signing, I don't think he scored more than 10 goals in a season. Yeah. And with a team that plays as low as Oakland do with not much – uh, forward passing and through balls to find a striker who is probably as getting behind as him. I don't think it's going to work. I mean, they brought in a veal hackshaw to make that defense much better than it already is. And they bring yeah. in Napo Matsoso. So that, I mean, that's, that's it really, which those are 
fine additions and they're 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 quality players for sure, but it doesn't add much to the attack. So um yeah, that's yeah. That's kind of, um that's they bring in I they brought in two uh US youth national team midfielders who I'm sure will grow and be nicely. I don't know how integral they're gonna be this year, probably not much. I don't know if they'd even see that like more than five games this year, to yeah. be completely honest. Um, but I mean, it's it could be rough if it is how it seems to be after last year. Mm-hmm. So fourth for us is Oakland. Who are you third high on? In uh, I'd probably say I'd probably say Orange County. Yeah, I think ours are gonna look Pretty close. I would say Orange County as well. Um, if you'd like to jump into that a little bit. Yeah, I think I think similar with what we kind of said about Memphis and having Philip Goodrum. Two 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 name two guy I mean one one name, I guess. Milan Olowski. Yeah. He's just he's so good. He's so damn good. There's there's not much I can really say about him. But you look at what they've done, they had a decent little window, I think. You bring in um uh, I think one of the key additions was Andrew Fox uh, yes. from El Paso. And that, that was, a, I think that was a very decent signing for them. Um, a very, very capable fullback or center back, excuse me. Um, and he is, yeah, he's, he's a great player. Um, and I think they're going to be much better this year. I have a feeling. Yeah. I think um, Andrew Fox is definitely a big signing. I think it is a big as much of a good defender as he is, um, I think it's more so leadership at the back. Right. Last year, they were very undisciplined at the back. I remember specifically, it's got to be no disrespect to the player. I He's came on on loan from Nashville. I think we know who I'm talking about. Maybe the worst uh, debut in history, Ahmed Longmere. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he gave up a penalty and got sent off in his first game for Orange County. It was bad. And he just one of the one of the worst loans I've seen in the league in recent history. He was terrible for them. Like no hate to him as a player. I'm sure he'll do great things with Nashville when he, um now that he's back with them, but he just did not for Orange County because the culture last year I think was so bad that it didn't help him. It, it, yeah, and you go to a place like Orange County and the way they were performing last year Obviously, that's probably going to rub off on someone coming from like a, a what was a playoff team last year in Nashville in the MLS. Yeah, it it's it's no surprise that he didn't perform that all that well. Yeah, it's a big culture shock for sure to go from winning to losing. Um, they also lose Patrick Rakowski. Yeah, huge in goal. Um, but amidst all the losses and whatnot i and who they brought in who we've talked about so far they bring in thomas among we talked about that i think the one player i'm very intrigued to see how he does this year because i think he'll be a starter maybe not from day one but at some point um owen lamb yeah i like him as an attacking full bag i think that will help them uh so much because i think what we saw a lot last year is that a lot of the california teams look the same playing out from the back defensively decent like orange county were just bad all the time last year um 
but they try to be like uh play from the back, you know, defensively soundish, go for the one nil wins, but and it ended up turning into like five nil losses because it just wasn't working. Um, but I think Owen Lamb will help that for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, and when we're talking about bringing back players uh from from a title run, that's hard to do. Mm-hmm. And when you lose when you lose uh what Orange County lost after that title season. I didn't want to say people saw it coming um, because I don't know if people did see it coming, but it it ended up not being as big a surprise as I think people thought it was. Maybe, 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 I mean, like they didn't make the playoffs, but also no one thought they were going to finish last in the Western Conference. Yeah. And I think that also comes from, they made a huge statement signing in Kubo Torres and he was not good. I yeah. think he really let, I like I I honestly thought he'd get 15 goals last year and it turns out Milanovski was the answer all along but even the 22 goals he got couldn't help. So because you know you can only you can only do so much at fr- up front but I mean it all goes hand in hand I I do think uh defending and scoring but if you're missing just that one piece it just it, it isn't going to work out. Yeah, it's crazy how looking at like the similarities between Good- Goodrum and Alaska in pure output and the situations that they had. Like Memphis at times were the hottest team in the league last year, and they've got Philip Goodrum leading the line. And at times Orange County were like obviously the worst team in the league last year, and they've got Milan Alaska who's still slotting home every other game. And like Memphis had a guy like Derek Dotson in the back line, something that. Orange County just simply didn't have leadership. Yep. And now they bring in Andrew Fox, like we've talked about, who will be that probably immediate, like Derek Dotson-esque player, and Owen Lamb, who can be that future Derek Dotson-esque player. So I think they've set up nicely. So Orange Mm -hmm. County, maybe playoffs, maybe not. We'll see how it goes. Borderline. Borderline, yes. Um, We can move on to our number two. I think we're on the same page here. I'm going to say Monterey Bay. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's like we, I think we are going to have a good year. It's as simple as that. I think it's going to be a fun year. And we're, when we're talking about like history of this area in soccer, it's all, it's all earthquakes. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't, you don't really think about uh, another, another team locally because the earthquakes are simply an hour from Monterey. But also, one of my very good friends from Monterey, from the supporter section that I that I draw in, um, he said, you know, I'd get home at midnight from earthquakes games um, because it, it's a drive for sure from from here to San Jose. But I get home at like ten o'clock after a Monterey Bay FC game, so I think a lot of the um, a lot of the groundwork was laid simply by San Jose uh, for Monterey Bay City to become a franchise. Absolutely. And now we have evolved, I think, into a, a really good, a really good team. Um, and you have, you have a really, a really good veteran presence in that locker room um, with, with Hugh Roberts and yep. Kai. Um, but then you have these young guns like Adrian Rebelar who 
He was probably one of my favorite players in the league simply because of the fact he went to CSUMB. Um, but he's he, he he's all over the place. Um, and if you know about um, Ted Lasso, he's mm-hmm. here, he's there, he's every fucking where. That's kind of what Adrian Revelar is all about. He is literally everywhere at all times around the pitch. Um, and then probably my favorite, my personal favorite player, Maury Donor. Um, he's a He's currently the only jersey I have because the jerseys are so expensive. But uh, he's, I love how I love how he gets up and down and puts crosses in. He's just quality through and through. And then of course, Anthony Seaha. Yeah. Um, you know, he's just coming in last year. I didn't really know what to expect of him, but I think he really proved a lot of our supporters wrong because he was this young, unproven player from from San Diego, but I think that's exactly what he needed. He needed a chance to prove himself, and I mm-hmm. think he did. Yeah. Monterey Bay will be special this year, and I think we've grown into a point in this league now where even after that bad first season, every team now has the much-needed support. Like, Monterey Bay comes in, and after a not-great start to the year, the fans are still there, and I think that's what's even more special. Like, We've seen teams um, dwindle down after a bad first year or a bad couple years. We saw that with Reno. We saw that with Fresno. Um, but we just don't see that anymore. And I'm very pleased. like Because Monterey Bay got their USL championship rights, I believe, from Fresno. Right. Um, so that is just special that we're in that point. And I think Monterey Bay... Um, it also speaks on like the parity of the league that Monterey Bay, after a year last year, um, maybe because of location, maybe because of the pull of Frankie Allop and what he's done as a coach already. Um, but it is going to be a good year. I think it just proves how good of a league USL is as a whole. Yeah. So, and now we have like, we have, we have, I think we have four total supporters groups. We have uh, the rising tide, uh, which is like a college kid run thing. Uh, we have Hinchas MBSC, which is more, a, which is more of a Mexican Latino run thing. Uh, and then we have our biggest fan, super fan Dan, and his fog dog footy. And then we have Fuerza Union Club. So we've also uh, kind of like what Oakland has done, we merged into this thing called uh, Land and Sea 831. So now we just kind of all fall under that umbrella sort of thing. Awesome. So, yeah, a lot and, to look forward to. Oh, and I, I forgot to mention, um, of course, we founded uh, Monterey Bay SC2, which That's is true. Yes, which is a great sign of stability. Um, I still don't know where they're going to play, nor have we announced any players for the roster. Um, we could see them play at the local high school, uh, or we could see them play at a, a local stadium of some kind. But I do know this: they are going to be playing a Cardinale on, I believe it's, I forget what day it is, but we play the Oakland Roots at home the same day. And we play Project 510 at home the same day. So, doubleheader maybe. Maybe. That would be awesome. A definite first for the league as well to have a youth setup and then a first-team doubleheader. I think that would be a big day for the league, for sure. Um, So, Monterey Bay in second for us in our California rankings-ish. Number one, we talked a bit on them. We don't have to go too much in depth on them because we all know they're going to be good. It's the Sacramento Republic. Mm-hmm. I mean, for me, it's 
just how they it's almost like the magic of the open cup last year isn't really continuing but it's just built them better it's made that locker room closer for sure they're 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 built different to say the least Mm -hmm. and obviously with what happened with their investor backing out and them not becoming an mls team yeah they are saying hey look at us we are still a, a really really good team and if they were to go to mls sure they would probably get smacked the first year but over time, they would build into a really good franchise, I think. Um, and that is that is a great market there in uh, Sacramento, Silicon Valley, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's 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 not it's not a small market by any means. And it's a team that is yearning for winning. It's a team that wants winning, especially with the Kings in the area who do not win. <laughs> <laughs> so. Although have been, have been winning this year, at least. Well, maybe that's a one-off. But Republic are like the one consistent, I think, in Sacramento to count on to be good. And I think this year it's going to be you know different. We talked about Shane Wheat. We talked about Russell Ciceroni. Um, they've got all the pieces from last year plus more. It's going to be good. I'm excited. And I think if we're talking about in terms of who could potentially make it all the way to the West Conference Finals, I think they are very much a favorite that could make it there. And yeah. if they would fit San Antonio in the conference finals, boy, that would be a, such a great matchup, I tell you. Mm-hmm. I think talking about like the playoff dynamic, I honestly, even though San Antonio, I think like I think last year was one of the times, one of the rare times where the first from each conference made it and we actually saw like the best game possible and the best team win. Um, I think we got close to that in 2020 when Phoenix and Tampa Bay made it. Um, but it just, you don't really like in the USL championship where like um, the quality gap is really there. Sometimes like you can see who's like been in this league for a long time or who's really got that talent as opposed to like a team that's fielding like, I don't know, two young college defenders in their first year at the back. Like, that's when you're going to see that gap. Um, But, like, I feel like it is almost kind of the thing to go for, like, maybe the third seed or the fourth seed will be the winner other than the first. And I think Sacramento more so than San Antonio probably would be my Western Conference favorite to make it to the USL Championship final. Yeah, because also you have to look at it in the aspect of it is so hard to repeat in this league. Mm-hmm. it hasn't happened since Louisville City so yeah. it's like it, it's just simply so hard um, because there's so there's so much turnover but I think uh, they have good stability in that uh, in that in that on that side there absolutely um, and I think maybe without the not burden because it was a special run it was a special time I'm sure they do it a hundred times over again um, maybe without the run of the U.S. Open Cup this year, that's where we see Sacramento at their best in the league. Because at times they didn't look fantastic last year. I mean, there were times when all the teams in the West didn't look fantastic last year. Like there was that weird blip in like July, August, where the switchbacks and the loyal looked like they were completely out of their depth and were losing like three 0 at home. Like 
two weeks in a row. It was weird. Um, I don't think Sacramento are that team, though. And I think this year we see them on another level, like maybe 55, 60-ish points, um, but not quite winning the, like, top in the West. Yeah, definitely. So that is how we see California right now. Um, If we want to go a bit deeper, I was just thinking, because that's what we had mostly on tap for today. Um, if we want to finish off with like our underrated team, our overrated team heading into the year, um, just off the top, and then maybe a player we're looking forward to seeing this year, not on on Monterey Bay, and then not on Monterey Bay. Yeah, for you. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think in terms of underrated teams, there's a lot of good teams to choose from, but I think I'm going to go Rio Grande Valley FC because like. How can you not count out Wilmer Cabrera? I mean, he just in in not to put it lightly, or well, to put it bluntly, uh, he pulls something out of his ass every single season. So yeah, I don't know how, but yeah, I think they're just when you have Wilmer Cabrera as your coach, you're gonna he's gonna try and get the best out of his players, and I think he does consistently, and I think because of that, they uh, we should they people should look out for them. Yeah. Wilmer Cabrera could lead his RGV team to zero points in the first 29 games. And in the last five games, he'd still find a way to get them to 47 points and in the seventh seed. Absolutely. Um, yes. For my underrated team, I was going to go Charleston, but I don't think that's really fair because Charleston are almost certainly going to be good. They're probably going to score three goals every game, but except this time, instead of conceding four, they're going to concede two. Um, because like there's one game last year where I think it summed their season perfectly, the Indy 11 game at home, um, back and forth. If they had any semblance of a defense, they would win that game, but they just kept blowing it. Lose four, three to Indy 11, um, had to be the most depressing game as a Charleston fan last year. Um, in terms of my underrated team, I put them 23rd in my power rankings. We didn't show all the power rankings, um, because that is like probably a two and a half hour episode. Yeah. Um, but I put them 23rd in like my overall. Uh, Loudoun United, mainly because I don't know what to expect. Other than that, will they probably be bad? Yeah. They lost Joe Rice to be a backup at Hartford. Um, they bring in Hugo Faru, who was pretty bad at the Austin Bold and with Charleston. Um. Will he be better here? Don't know. Probably not. But this is what it's all about. Last chance for Faru, I'm guessing. Um, I Because, like, he's 20. I believe he's 26. He's not going to get into the MLS. That's for sure. Um, He hasn't proven anything. But this is his last chance to be, like, he is USL Championship caliber. Um, They bring in Bryce Washington at the back. Atlanta United 2 um, I think he will honestly be a top center back for how bad that um, Loudon might be. Um, they brought in Cole Turner in midfield from the Philadelphia Union, who I honestly think will be one of the better young DMs in the league. And then they bring in Tommy Williamson, who wasn't great with Minnesota United 2 in MLS Next Pro, but I think maybe in this kind of higher pressure league, it might work out for him. Am I saying Laudy and Yedder are going to win uh, USL Cup? Maybe. 
You know, mm-hmm. they could. Bryce Washington could absolutely lock down and they get 17 clean sheets and Tommy Williamson scores 30 goals. That could happen. Will it happen? I hope so. But I think I think Loudon, in terms of like as far as underrated could go, um, maybe like 10th in the East is like the highest they get. But it will be a fun 10th in the East. Yeah, definitely. Um, so in terms of overrated, what are you thinking? Um, you know, picking overrated teams is never something you want to you want to do. Yeah, you're you're basically saying to a certain a certain fan base, a certain franchise, you're not as good as you think. Um, I don't know. I think, I think if I had to pick one, I'd say Birmingham Legion. I think, I just don't know if they've done enough. Um, losing Johnny Dean was a big loss. Mm-hmm. And sure, they have Enzo Martinez, but I think a lot of people are still pretty high on them, even though they're not the same team anymore, and they didn't retain enough. I don't think losing Marlon Santos not not good either. Um, yeah, yeah. We didn't talk about that about Memphis, but Memphis bringing in Bruno Lapa as well is big. Mm-hmm. Um. But I'm along the same lines as you with Birmingham. I, they're not my overrated team, um, but like just on Birmingham. Um, my main gripe is that like Andrew Martinez, I think, can pick up the slack of the losses of Marlon Santos and Bruno Lapa. And I'm, I think, I don't know if they got money, but I think they might have gotten some sort of payment-ish or reimbursement or whatever you call it for Marlon Santos' transfer to Israel. Um, but their squad is incredibly thin. I believe it's sitting at 17 or 18 right now with a week to go. So at the very yeah. least, yeah, at the very least, they are going to probably be not good in the first one or two games. If they like if they do bring in players in this next week or so, um it's it's going to be realistically not enough time to gel those players into the first team setup. So I think at least the first two weeks might be a bit of a downer for the Legion. Yeah, definitely. Um, but my overrated pick, I'm going to go maybe not so outside the box. I'm going with the switchbacks. Um, mm-hmm. They made a lot of smart moves in terms of bringing in players who are experienced, but I like they. I think they have like four left mids right now. I don't know. I don't know if they just really are trying to build that left side or if they're just thinking along the lines of, you know, quantity and quality, but, you know, throw the tactics out the fucking window. We'll figure it out yeah. later. Um, I don't know what they're doing. And then they lose uh, Burke to the, I think it was Dynamo. to the Dynamo. Yeah. Um, it's not looking, it's just a lot of new players, new unproven coach. Um, I don't think it's going to be a good mix this year. Yeah. Um, and of course, losing Jeff Caldwell to retirement. Um, yeah. and yeah, you bring in a guy like Malik Foster, but what does that really do for you? Uh, in terms of replacing other holes that Michi Galina and um and Elvis yeah. Elvis Haji Berry left. So it was. It's always going to be a tat. They were never going to replace. Probably one of the most electric offenses we've seen in this league. Um, they were never going to do it. But I think in terms of 
how they tried to do it, they didn't do a good job. Yeah. And in terms of like windows to win a cup, that was probably their best window so far in their franchise by far. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Um, so that's our overrated. We can finish off. You go for two. You can go for one Monterey Bay player. Looking forward to because that is kind of the point. And then maybe one player outside who you think will have a breakout year or you're just excited to see. And then I'll go for it. Um, I think one player I'm really looking forward to this year for Monterey Bay is Walmer Martinez. And I'm simply going with him because when he played last year, he was so good. His pace was awesome. Uh, of course, he scored our our opening goal uh, against Las Vegas Lights in our home opener. Um, fucking banger. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> um, and then, I mean, then he got injured. So yeah. he got he got a whole bunch of hamstring injuries. Uh, he was out for like four weeks. He comes back against New York Rebels to 15 minutes later, we're on a counterattack, and he pulls up and injures his hamstring. So it's like when he's healthy, he is so good. And I think he's really going to develop. And of course he's a local product. Yeah. Um, so he has that going for him. He's a fan favorite. Um, and I think it's going to be a great year for him. Um, uh, especially on the scorer sheet. I think he's going to score at least three goals this year, hopefully. And you're looking, you're looking at potentially this, um, this aspect of bringing him off the bench, mm-hmm. which, awesome because alex dixon would probably start in that right ringer role role mm-hmm. um and then you would have martinez coming in in like the 60th minute or something like that and his ability to cut in on that left foot is is yeah it's awesome yeah um in terms of who i'm looking forward to out of the whole league it's probably the player i've been highest on um in recent episodes it's not moses dyer it's Kaveh Rod. I think, I truly believe that he is going to be one of the, like, Tab Ramos as a player builder. I, I like that outlook because of Tab Ramos's playing time and what who he played for and just how he played. I like his hopeful ability to be able to build players and like sculpt them. Like he did not do good with the dynamo. I think he was a bit too out of his depth to start with, but I think Hartford is a great place. And I think Kave Rod is a great project as a, a raw center back. He didn't do great with sporting Kansas city and sporting Kansas city too. But I think now is a better time than ever um, to be under like Peter Vermes and Paolo Nagamura as compared to Tab Ramos is completely different. Mm-hmm. So I think um, Tab Ramos will build him. And I just think Kave Rod is going to be like, he's got the passing ability. He's still a bit raw in the 1v1s and like the zonal marking, the man-on-man marking. He's still a bit raw there in terms of that, but I think he's going to be uh, looking nicely, maybe towards the middle of the season when he's got some time under his belt. Yeah, definitely. Um, And then for me, if, I had to choose someone outside of Monterey Bay SC. I'm going to, I'd probably choose uh, a guy we mentioned previously as well. Uh, Owen Lamb. I think, yeah. I think, I think going into orange County, 
uh, is going to be a great move for him. And I think it's going to really open up his opportunities. Um, so we both have center packs as our, as our yeah. two, uh, as our, as our two people were high on, as our two players were high on, but I think they are two really good, uh, really good op, two really good players. And I think lamb is really going to flourish in that role at orange County, especially with a guy like, uh, Andrew Fox for leadership as well, who can kind of mentor him, I think. Absolutely. So that is all we have for today's episode, guys. Thank you so much for listening. The season is upon us. We've got six more days as of this episode coming out. We are very excited. Um, Hopefully your teams do well on opening day. If not, maybe they do well in week two. If not, there's always next year. Yes, so. there's always next year. The season is over after two losses in two weeks. So, yeah. uh, well, the season's already over for the lights. Yes, so. the season season's been over the, for the lights. <laughs> so, um, thank you, and thank you for being here. Absolutely, yeah, no problem. It was a, it was it was an honor, and it was uh it was awesome. Um, it was awesome getting to share my thoughts as well. So, awesome. So. We'll see you guys for the next episode next weekend where we cover the results of the first opening weekend. So see you guys for that. And the lights are going to be awful this year. So you can have that to finish with. Yes.